Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I'm your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning into SST on a podcast app, Spotify, and on YouTube. We're back again just one day later. Why would we do such a thing? We just talked for an hour and a half with Pat Boyle about the NBA and the New York Knicks on their hot streak, uh, even though their game's up in the air right now against Toronto on Wednesday night. And we spent about 55 minutes talking about the NFL, the New York Jets, quarterbacks, teams that are still fighting for their playoff lives, Yet there's a need. There's a need to sit here today and talk with our friend, our designated hitter, Andrew Kalanya, about the one thing on your mind, Andrew. What is that one thing, or maybe a couple things on your mind? My God, and it's been it's been probably the craziest 24 uh, hour period of baseball that I probably think like I've ever seen. Like like trying signings and trade happens, but like it's very rare that. You're in the middle of the night. You're feeding your you're feeding your daughter, and you're just refreshing Twitter, and you see that uh, a free agent who has signed this mega deal um, with a with an opposing team just all of a sudden just uh, signs with the New York team just out of, just out of the blue. Uh, it was just wild, man. I, I I I can't believe it. You're so flabbergasted that you actually talked about the thing that we're going to talk about in the open. <laughs> I, That's yeah. How- that's yeah, how crazy. Not, no, no time for jokes, friend. No time for jokes. <laughs> no time for any messing around over here. Uh, the timeline of it, basically, like you kind of mentioned there, you're feeding your daughter. You're you're basically is newborn still the right word? I don't know if that's not right. Yeah, word. she's a she's a month old. That's still that's still newborn. Okay, good. I don't know my terminology yet on the baby front, but you know, you're you're feeding your newborn overnight. Probably, you know, half. This is your second kid, so you're probably half. You know phasing out just kind of mm-hmm. feeding the kid, getting through getting through what you got to get through and you see this tweet on twitter and you have no one to converse with you <laughs> so what was that what was that moment like because you know obviously you're a yankee fan if anyone's checking in for the first time mm-hmm. they don't know drew andrew Kalanya here yankee fan but as a mets fan myself i respect you and appreciate you as a baseball supporter mets supporter in general uh so what went through your head when you saw this and did you think you were getting arson judged Oh man, it was crazy because Heyman tweeted around two thirty-five in the morning, and then it was radio silence um, for a while. So again, I really thought it was an arson judge uh, to you know the Giants type of situation. And then, like twenty-five minutes later, uh, I you know I keep refreshing, keep refreshing, and then around like three o'clock, he tweets again. But these are with quotes from from Steve Cohen because apparently Steve Cohen is uh, he's out in Hawaii. And he's on vacation and uh, he just like called Scott Boris up and they were they were doing this deal. And he got quotes saying, that, you know, it's about time that we were able to jump in. I regret not being able to jump on Carlos Correa sooner. But once I saw this opportunity, we really need to finish off this piece. And I'm really happy to get it done. And I'm just like, holy shit, this is this is real. And again, I start I start just texting you. I start texting like uh, all, all of my group chats and nobody's responding because who would be who's 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 stupid enough to be just sitting up at two o'clock in the morning, um, you know, just refreshing Twitter, like, like an idiot, like I am. So well, uh, frankly, frankly, you actually just missed me. So we did. The I, I, I saw, I saw, cause like your, your status was like, like from 45 minutes ago or something like that. 
like was it was your your last like tweet i saw right. it from like 45 minutes before that before it went down so i was like maybe he's still up maybe like and i sent like seven texts in a row to the group chat nobody answered i was just like all right there'll be this will be something really fun to uh to wake up to but, and then, uh, and then yeah, <laughs> so fun to wake up to that i actually didn't even see it that's the best part. So I, I go to bed after me and Pat finish our pod and I post it, whatever. It's probably, it's probably like one forty-five. say, I don't know. No, two, honestly, when I put my phone down, it was 10 after two. So I really did just miss it. Yeah. Uh, so I wake up then in the morning. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can see this tweet, which is just funny. I wake up in the morning and see the, the name or the word Correa in an ESPN notification and like literally don't even think twice about it. I don't even blink an eye. I just swipe through my phone to see whatever the hell else I got on notifications. Because in my head, Correa's a signed man. He's an accounted for man. So I don't even think twice. And I, nothing in my head. All of a sudden, I see that people are reacting to an Instagram story on Subway Sports Talk. I'm like, I definitely didn't post an Instagram story. What, what is this? Uh, Drew must have posted something. So I click on it. And that's how I learned about the Correa situation, <laughs> which is hilarious that me as a, the only Mets fan in our group chat is the last person to find out. The news about this. In the Instagram okay. story of his own podcast. What <laughs> <Yes>. a... <laughs> and you did knock uh, it out of the park with that story, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. It was just, it, just, it was flying through, man. Like, and I again, I haven't gotten to sleep yet since like two o'clock this morning. I'm still like still riding the the high of, of the whole day because, man, that uh, there was a there was another tweet there like if you know it's really kind of silly, but if George Steinbrenner was still alive, he would have been so mad that the Aaron Judge uh, signing and ceremony that everyone knew he was gonna you know get named captain today that just basically got upstaged. And like a matter of hours by the crosstown rival Mets, like he would have been, he would have been so fucking mad about that, which is, oh. uh, is just great, just a, just a, just just a wild, wild uh, day in baseball to uh, to say the least. Yeah, it really is true, and and we've always joked uh, in the past about the stove of baseball and the hot stove being more lukewarm than it's been hot, but this year, especially in New York, man, it has been steaming hot and today is the perfect example so just some housekeeping quickly before we start breaking things down here we're obviously going to talk about the Correa signing and the Mets and what they're looking like right now from an entire outlook lineup pitching rotation etc obviously then we have to touch on the New York Yankees we haven't spoken since Rodon's been signed there since Aaron Judge has been named captain and this entire energy around New York baseball I mean I saw so many tweets today saying how is the baseball season not starting tomorrow? Like I'm ready to go. Right. And that energy around baseball is absolutely a huge, huge win. So that's the plan for today's episode. It's not going to be a super duper long one. At least we say that now, uh, but that's the plan. Mets, Correa, et cetera, as well as judge Rodon Yankees, et cetera, and New York baseball in general. So that's, that's the plan. And with all that being said, I have to come out here and talk about obviously our friends over at DraftKings because the NBA season is heating up y'all and there are so many unknowns in this league still but there are some things that are starting to shake out and take shape I remember in the preseason pod I mentioned this guy as one of the longer shot MVPs that I like that I threw a little wager on on DraftKings that's Jason Tatum this guy's averaging 30 points a game he's top five in the league in win shares according to basketball reference listen 
The odds are not going to get better than they are now. He's already gone down a little bit from where he was to start the season at plus 1,500. Now, futures, they're starting to change. He's got plus 350. You missed out on the big-time odds. He's got now the third best odds, but it's not too late. That's still a good payout, and there are some other folks that might be interesting to throw some money on as well, but Tatum, to me, is one of those guys that might just be his year. And when I'm looking to get into the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Now check this out. That's for new customers. What can everyone else get? Everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. This has been going on all year. It ain't stopping now. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, place the same game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player pops like rebounds, points, three-pointers made, and more. And the more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. This has been nice for me because I, I like dabbling throughout the week. You know, Sundays are obviously big-time days, but then you got basketball throughout the week. You get involved with the same game parlay. Maybe you don't even like a side. I do that sometimes. I don't even like a side, but I think this guy might get 20 or this guy might get 10 rebounds. And all of a sudden, I got a plus 300 same game parlay that's getting stepped up from DraftKings and looking even better. So download the app now, sign up with code TBPN, place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply, so you show notes for details. And Drew, I want to start with this before you can kind of go on to your spiel here about you know what you're wrapping your head around with this Mets move. I love that you brought up the idea of the Yankees and their ceremony with judge getting named captain kind of now battling with this news around the New York Mets. And I've been brewing this all day today. I really now believe that Steve Cohen and the New York Mets push to try to be relevant and the best that they can be may be the best thing that ever happened to the New York Yankees. Cause it really feels like Hal Steinbrenner and this judge situation and what they did so far this offseason with rumors that they're not done yet has a lot to do with the crosstown rival really trying to steal the headline, steal the players, and be the best team in New York. Now, obviously, we know the history and how much work the Mets have to do to get there, but I really believe that this is the best thing that's happened for not just the Mets, but the Yankees as well. Absolutely. and I, I, I really don't think that the Yankees signed Carlos Rodon without uh, this the spending spree by the Mets because the Yankees didn't need pitching, but they saw there was one last elite player out on the free agent market when, when they thought Carlos Gray was still uh, a San Francisco giant. Uh, well, he was there for, you know, six days longer than uh, Aaron Judge was. Um, so so he was really the last really elite player that was, that was available, and Hal Steinbrenner jumped on it and, you know, gave the Yankees, which I think arguably – arguably is the you know the strongest rotation in baseball right now so you know that wasn't really a need for the yankees again you i think i think many people felt very comfortable going into the season with you know cole severino and cortez as your one through one through three but now that you add rodan who's basically i i don't know if i would call him 
an ace, but I would call him the closest thing that you have to an ace and one a one a if you if you will. So now that you have you bumped Cortez, who was amazing last year, and Severino, who um, finally seemed to got over the injury bug as your your number four starter at the three and four now. Uh, man, that's a that's a really really strong rotation come you know October. So um, I still think they need to again. Hal Steinberg said they're still looking to make moves, and I, I believe that's the case. And again, I don't think this really happens unless uh, Steve Cohen is outspending the Yankees by two hundred million dollars right now. Which yeah, is what a, what a if, world. You're, if you're if you're including the luxury tax, the the Mets have spent their payroll for twenty twenty three is like five hundred and ten million dollars. I think the Yankees like 308. It really is just a wild world. And you're seeing all these graphics pop up about how the Mets salary cap is more than six different teams combined at this point in time and whatever. And, and, and you know what? People can get mad. People can be frustrated. This is basically what Steve Cohen said was going to be his plan from the day he arrived. You know, he didn't do it right away because he knew that it wasn't the smartest way to go about it. Again, we need to be reminded that this man is in the position he is because he's been smarter than 99% of people that he's ever encountered, if not more, right? If not 99.9%, he has been mm -hmm. out thinking the game that he's playing, whether it be business or now being an owner of a baseball team for a long time. And that does not mean that this is our home run hits. That does not mean that they're guaranteed anything. But he basically said his plan was to put out a World Series team in five years, to win a World Series in five years. And he knows that if that's going to come true, he needed to make things happen right freaking now. On the Yankees front, on the Yankees front, it's basically the opposite. They've been content from a front office and ownership standpoint being very good without the urgency to become great and a World Series contender or whatever you want to call it because they've been knocking at the door for years now. Now, both of these teams lining up next to each other saying, yo, we're going for this. Let's freaking go for this. It is a special moment. And fans, I don't know if fans, Drew, know how to handle this. Because I've seen Yankee fans trying to crap on what the Mets are doing. I've seen Mets fans trying to crap on Aaron Judge being named captain because we all knew it was coming, right? Like, I'm seeing all this, this beautiful animosity. And I want to use the word beautiful because... It is beautiful. And I don't know if fans know what to do with their hands right now, Drew. Mm -hmm. This is this is impossible in other sports for the most part because mm -hmm. of salary cap restrictions and et cetera. You know, you can argue like the Rams, for example, just trading all their picks and going over the cap or as much as they possibly can. Whatever. Possible. Basketball, you can go over the cap a little bit with certain bird rights and et cetera. But nothing like this, Drew. I don't think fans understand exactly what's happening and what to do with themselves right now. Yeah, it's it's a really unprecedented situation. And Steve Cohen, again, he he is, he's doing exactly what he said he was going to do. Um, and there's like a lot of talk out there that, you know, that he's just okay with losing all this money and the, and the Mets are just going to hemorrhage all these dollars because they're paying, you know, $110 million in the look track. Okay. Even if that's true, that Steve Cohen is is fine with, you know, he's worth, you know, twenty five billion dollars or whatever his net worth is. It's like whatever. It's like point zero five percent of his net worth 
that he's spending on like the payroll of the Mets. That's just one thing. But Steve Cohen, does, he's never in the business to lose money. So I think it's um, kind of the perfect storm uh, that you were kind of alluding to before of the of the opportunity in front of him. I, I think he wanted to see it, you know, he wanted to see how the team did the last couple of years um, just to kind of get like a base around him uh, before he really dove into the pool. But because of the, I don't want to turn this into an economics uh, podcast here, but because interest rates um, and the financial situation that this country is going through now where, where one could take advantage of the time asset of, uh, of money, time value of money um, over time here, um, he could basically t- take out a, a bond um, for $285 million or $260 million and basically pay off that Korea contract in five, six years and make his money, make his money back because we're in this uh, unprecedented time. Interest rates right now are probably three, four, five percent. Um, historically, the last two years, we were at like point point five percent, one point one percent. So Steve Cohen, if you wanted to make back his money, the you know two years ago if you wanted to make back the career contract you basically have to put down like 305 million dollars to make that 315 million dollars back and that just doesn't make any financial sense so he he's he's doing fine he's doing fine he's not losing money um at least uh it if if all if he's as smart as everyone everyone thinks he is and he's a finance guy um so that really that's really uncle steve just kind of taking advantage of a this this unprecedented market of 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 marquee free agents and with a combination of just you know his financial smarts at the same exact time. Yeah, and, and it's a, a great point by you, and and that insight is something that no normal people really would think of, right? And, and no. to add on top of it, from a more you know simplistic perspective, these leagues are making more money. And these leagues mm-hmm. uh, are getting more revenue because of whatever whatever the reason you want to say, because they're doing well and they're making more money. Sure. Because of inflation, because numbers are just going up. Sure. Whatever it is, doesn't matter. There is reason to believe that all teams are going to have higher payrolls in five to ten years. You can't say the caps going up like you can in basketball because that's more of a concrete number. But numbers are just going up in general. And it's also important to note, yes, they're two top pitchers right now or at least for the time being are, you know, 38 and 40 years old in, in Scherzer and Verlander or 39, whatever uh, age Scherzer is, their contracts are only on the books for one to two more years. So that's 30% of the cap right now. That doesn't include the updated number with Correa's contract. And that's from spot rack right now. It hasn't mm-hmm. refreshed yet, but let's just say 25% of the cap or of, of the, um, of the payroll right now is to those two pitchers that those numbers come off the books. And it's not like they've hemorrhaged any future assets to do this just yet. They do still have a number of prospects who they expect to, to build into M, uh, MLB players. And those things combined really makes the idea of refreshing the books in a couple of years if things go uh, haywire a strong possibility. And that goes back to your point, Drew. This guy is not in the business of losing money. He's not burning this stuff down. If you don't think that he and his team are thinking of all the negatives that can come out of this or he's not hedging, hedging his bets in, in some way that right. even if interest rates do dip back down, that he's hedging his bets the other way where he he's just, he's not losing money. There's no right. way. There's no way that, that Steve Cohen is losing hundreds of millions of dollars 
uh, in this. If he's losing, if he's losing anything, it's very little um, to say the least. So the, right. there's no, there's, you know, and, and this isn't a new concept to anybody. And I think, you know, any, anyone who's to to, Oh yeah. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a, 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 you know, time value of money is not a new concept that, you know, these billionaires who, who own, you know, they become billionaires for a reason. Every single owner of a baseball franchise is a billionaire in some capacity. So they're, they're, they're all smart. And I think you've, you've been able to see this around the league. You, you're seeing all these 11 year contracts, um, for Trey Turner, um, you're seeing uh, Bogarts get an 11 year deal because these these guys understand that this is, you know, you're in a unique situation where you'll be able to make your money back pretty, pretty easily. Um, and again, teams are teams have. I want to say dozens of employees that are have nothing to do with baseball operations that are just finance guys that are able to, you know, move the books around and, you know, basically make these guys foolproof. Uh, and, and, and frankly too, not just for the Mets, but for the Yankees as well. Yeah. So some of these contracts that are, that are between six and 11 years or 12 years, whatever it is in six years, in eight years, we don't know what the mean salary is going to be for a superstar, right? Mm-hmm. There's a world where the next guy who's going to be 28, who, who isn't even in the majors yet, who's hitting free agency for the first time in, in 2030, Right. Like some guy who we've never heard of yet, who, who bursts on the scene and is a superstar, whatever his average annual val- uh, value might be 75 million. Right. Like that's not a ridiculous thing to say. If you yeah. even look at some of the other sports like basketball has been banking on this to a fault in some regards, but in, in other places, some teams are doing it really well. It's like, oh, you know, Jalen Brunson, 22 million feels like a lot guess what? If the cap goes up like they're projecting it to in two years, that's all of a sudden a bargain deal. So that's the same concept here with a lot of these baseball contracts. You're thinking about what, what's Correa's average annual value? Like 30? It's, it, no, it's because it's a 12 year deal. It's like 20, 26 and a half million dollars, which is nothing. John Carl Stanton, when he signed his deal, which was an unprecedented amount of money, he was only making 27, 28, 29. It's something in the, in the high 20s. For, for an average annual value. And then Aaron Judge just blew him out of the water. These nine years, $40 million. And in some ways, that's a way of betting on, on the future of the sport and, and the economy mm-hmm. and et cetera. And that could be a benefit down the road. Patrick Mahomes, another example in football, to go cross sport here, he signed this unprecedented 10-year deal as a quarterback. There's a stronger chance of the Chiefs saying, hey, five years into this deal, let's restructure it and get your average annual value up to $58 million a year. Cause right now we're paying nothing for you at 32 or whatever the hell he's got right now. So all these things become a a factor here. And I think you can't, you can't dismiss that when you're thinking about teams possibly ruining themselves for the future. I don't think that's the case for the Mets or the Yankees. And obviously there is a problem that the rays of the world have no capability or no willingness to do something like this, but guess what? That's how the sport is set up. Why would you not take advantage of it if you have the opportunity to? And even and even if, if baseball had a salary floor, let's say because the, the players wouldn't accept the salary floor less than like one hundred thirty million dollars. Bob Nutting and Steve of the Pirates and Stu Sternberg of the Tampa Bay Rays aren't raising their payrolls to one hundred one hundred forty one hundred fifty million dollars to meet that floor. 
there's no way there's there's no way that they're that they would do that so the mets and the yankees and these teams are you know that by spending all this money it's not going to prevent that it's not going to force these guys to spend because they were never going to spend so and 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 the other point is that baseball again is that has the most parity out of every single uh major sport in the country it's the, the most parity out of every single team and you don't have a salary cap so even these smaller teams you see the rays are still competitive because they have to be smarter and they you're able to figure out there's more than one way to build a team and just because you spend 800 million dollars on right. on free agents in an off season does not guarantee that you're going to win the world series and i i, I you know it it helps. It certainly, it certainly does help to spend money on players to be able to sign Carlos Correa at two o'clock in the morning and and be able to bring him in and bring him to have him play third base and do a modern day A Rod Jeter uh, type of thing. Except uh, in this case, the uh, the the lesser shortstop is actually moving over to third base, unlike uh, when Jeter uh, forced A Rod, the Gold Glove short shortstop, to move over to third base. Uh, that's besides the point, but. Um, again, it doesn't spending this money doesn't guarantee that the Mets are going to win the World Series. I mean, you would like to think that um, that it would that that it at least guarantees them to make a deep playoff run. But as as we've seen, the playoffs are really a crapshoot. And uh, it's just about really putting yourself to give putting yourself in the best position to make that deep run and to be able to say we're we're going all in we're doing we're giving ourselves the best chance to win a world series again nothing's guaranteed nothing's guaranteed in this life and nothing's guaranteed in baseball but you're the mets are giving themselves the literal best chance to win a world series by spending all this money yep and that brings us perfectly to talk about the actual teams uh as the mets and yankees lineups projections can start being looked at the pitching rotations can start being looked at and right now as of uh, Wednesday night, 10 p.m., December 21st, the World Series odds have changed a little bit. The Mets went from plus 1,000 to plus 750. That puts them at tied for third with the best odds to win the World Series. Right now, according to DraftKings, Houston Astros still the favorite at plus 600, Yankees plus 700, Mets and Dodgers plus 750, with the Padres and Braves not too far behind at plus 1,000. So like you said, Drew, there ain't no guarantees. There ain't even – this isn't even making them – the favorite it's making them one of the favorites which they probably were already before this move so with all that being said what what is your take on carlos correa the player because that in all the hype and the excitement around this signing where mets fans were freaking out of, of excitement some other fans were freaking out because of jealousy perhaps it's not like carlos correa is the best player in baseball it's not like he was even the best shortstop on the market this year so who is Carlos Correa, the player? And, you know, what What are you looking at as far as this Mets lineup now with some of the additions they've made this year? You're talking about, again, he he might not have been the best shortstop, but he was the second best shortstop. I think I'm very comfortable in saying uh, behind Trey Turner on the, on the market right now. Um, but, yeah, he put up 22 home runs last year. He had 366 on base percentage. He played – Gold glove caliber defense, which I think he'll be able to transition to. again. Third base is a uh, is a different transition because it's different angles, but you know he's very athletic. He's uh, I don't think it should be you know. There's a reason why he went uh, first overall pick in the draft. He's a he's a, a a specimen of a human being 
super athletic, 28 years old, in the prime of his career, you know, makes a lot of contact, doesn't strike out a lot. It's a perfect number two hitter behind Nimmo and a sandwich between Nimmo and Lindor. So, um, you know, you're, I wouldn't expect, you know, 30 home runs out of him. I'd probably go in the, the mid-20s. Um, and I think that's okay. I think now with, um, you know, with Alonzo there and, you know, you, you have a full season of Vogelback and you have the possibility of, um, Alvarez and Beatty coming up and be able to contribute that way, which is uh, I don't think people are talking talking enough about um, having two top fifteen prospects in the game, basically knocking at the door and ready to, you know, supplement um, those kind of pieces that I feel like the the Mets have kind of grown beyond at this point. But the Carlos Correa out of it all is is he's exactly the type of player that um, that you want to finish off. Uh, of uh, not someone that you would build around. And I feel like that's part of the reason why San Francisco all of a sudden found issues with his medicals, because from everything that was communicated by his agent, by sources that, they, you know, there was nothing really wrong with it. And he was at the press conference in San Francisco, literally dressed, ready about to go on stage. And in the last second they cut the, you know, they cut it short to, to look things over. And, uh, uh, if Met fans are kind of worried about his back situation or anything like that, you know, the Minnesota Twins, the team he was on last year, um, they they know his medicals better than anybody because they obviously they're you know they had him for a full year, so they felt comfortable giving him a ten plus offering him a ten plus uh, year deal. So if if that team who knows him better than anybody else did was comfortable in doing that, then I don't think that the Mets, uh, you know, Met fans have to worry about Carlos Correa being some kind of pumpkin that he's going to be hurt the, you know, the second he shows up. So uh, I think that's a little bit overblown uh, if you, uh, if you want my opinion about it. Yeah. I think the point you make about him being a finishing piece is really important, right? Because if you're building him in as your number one guy, maybe you're not looking at a great team. Right. If, if yeah. he's got to do it himself, as any player in this league, maybe outside of Aaron Judge, cannot do, you know, he's one of them. Right. He can't carry a team by himself. And with this lineup, he most likely will not have to. And now we're talking about a lineup where I texted you guys earlier today. It was really hard for me to like wrap my head around it in the moment. I had to literally write the lineup out myself or and mm -hmm. look at what people were saying on Twitter to just wrap my head around it. And now that Jeff McNeil, the batting title champion from last year, is still in this lineup. Nimmo is still in this lineup. Marte is still there. You now have a deep lineup with power, which was a problem last year. That was probably the biggest problem. Another guy who can hit 20, 25 home runs. This looks like a complete lineup now. And it wasn't because he's going to slot into your three hole and be the best hitter on the team, but it's because he can be the best hitter on the team for a couple weeks. He can be the third best hitter on this team for the entire year. Right. And that's a huge uh, differentiation that you cleared up, cleared up very nicely. Mm -hmm. He's not the number one and he doesn't have to be here in New York. And that's absolutely huge that you can think about if Alvarez works out, if Beatty works out, they can be the seventh most important hitter on this team, which is a luxury that, you know, Mets fans are so frankly just still not used to. Yeah. And, and that, I think that's only, you know, that's only going to help the kids because, you know, 
Alvarez, at the end of last year, he was kind of looked as the savior to the Mets lineup who were struggling to find power. Like, oh, Alvarez is going to come up. He's going to, you know, hopefully he does a 2016 Gary Sanchez impression and just goes on a tear. But obviously, you know, kids, you know, Aaron Judge struggled when he first came up to the big leads. Uh, Mike Trout first, you know, struggled when he came up to the big leads. I think, you know, not having to, you know, depend on your number one overall prospect in baseball and pressure him into thinking he has to contribute right away and kind of get his footing in, you know, AAA and a couple more at-bats. And then when he's ready, you know, maybe in a couple months of the season or midway through the season, then you can bring him up. And then he can be your DH and catch sometimes and, you know, be that force. And that just only adds to the to the depth that the Mets have. They'll, that'll give them, if him and Beatty work out, that's, that's eight above-average hitters in that lineup with Nevaez, um, you know, taking over the catching duties for McCann, who I definitely think is on his way out as well. Yeah, it looks like Nito and Navaris are going to be the two catchers mm-hmm. if, if, if Alvarez isn't slotted in there off the jump. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's really, it's a special moment, right? Like Mark Canna, a professional hitter, might be the odd man out because of the depth that surrounds him uh, on this roster, right? Like he can be a platoon outfielder at, at some point of the season because there are mm-hmm. so many other pieces that are great options. Uh, which is which is really unique, I guess, at this point in time, because Canna, you know, would slot in as a starter and basically what eighty five percent of lineups that if he was on uh, yeah. any team in the league, absolutely. And you know, he had a better he had a better on base percentage than Correa did last year, and about the same number of bats. So like, he's no slouch that like you're taking out of the lineup here. He's just like doesn't have a ton of power, but he right. he gets on base. He's a very useful player to have on a team with world series aspirations. And that's, and it's, again, it's just about building depth here that you could be able to not have to, you know, ride Vogel back in Canada into the, into the ground that you can sub different guys in and still have a a very good lineup day in and day out. And I feel like that's something the Mets were missing the last few years is just overall depth and being able to, you know, plug somebody. If they decide to hold on to Escobar, Escobar is a, you know, I don't think he. I don't think he was ever a starter. He was forced to be a starter last year, but now he's someone that you can sub in and just and you know have just the, know that you're going to get a quality at bat and not just some backup player. And know? he can play everywhere. That and that wasn't really even utilized last year because he was the everyday third baseman. Now he can actually play third, second, left, right, whatever he needs to do on, on a given night, uh, which, yep. it, which is huge, huge luxury. So yeah, it feel it feels good right now as a Mets fan, it really does. Um, before we move on to the Yankees and talk about them, obviously, I don't know if we didn't talk about Senga really here on the podcast. No. So the Mets rotation still not, you know, number one in the league. That might be the crosstown Yankees, obviously, but with Verlander and Scherzer, you expect at least a pretty high floor of regular season pitching. The The playoffs are going to be a whole nother animal, of course, for every team and definitely the Mets, but Senga slots in with the opportunity to be special um, what do you? What is your take here on on Kodai? Kodai, uh, probably the best Japanese pitching prospect to come out of uh, that league since probably Tanaka. Mm-hmm. Um, throws throw, has a has an incredible breaking ball uh, slider, and he could pump up his fastball up to you know 100, 101. and he makes it you know pre, is a pretty uh, free and easy delivery. Um, again, I, I think uh, you know. The contract that he was given, a pretty pretty high priced. Um, I would, you know, he doesn't have to step in and be an ace. Um, 
And especially with Verlander and Scherzer being up there, as long as he's able to eat some innings and get acquainted to major league pitching, I think he'll be a perfect, you know, number, number three, middle rotation type of starter. And uh, speaking more of Verlander and Scherzer, you know, I don't think the plan, you know, Verlander threw 175 innings last year. Scherzer threw like 150. I, I think if I'm going to take an over under on how many combined starts, if let's say the over under is like 50, 52 and a half, I think I'll take the under on between the two of them. Um, and I think that'll be on purpose. I'm not saying that um, right. either of them are going to break down, but I think um, that, that they kind of learned their lesson from, from last year where Scherzer wasn't, you know, even though, um, you know, he would, he was hurt for a little bit of last year that uh, you want those guys being as fresh as, as humanly possible going into the postseason. And again, they're in the upper age. They're still elite. They're still both, you know, elite starters. Um, uh, so I think you're, you're going to purposely see them kind of rain, hold them back as much as, you know, Buck Walter can during the regular season to make sure that, you know, you have your two horses ready to go in October and, you know, we talked about last time uh, about the bullpen as well. And the, the Mets brought in David Robertson, a favorite of mine. They re-signed out of Vino. Uh, they traded for Brooks Raley. So um, they, they've kind of rebuilt the bullpen a little bit. Um, you know, it was unfortunate that Seth Lugo went, but, you know, I think he wants to try out and be a starter in San Diego. Trevor May, you know, I think I'm, I'm pretty okay with him leaving if I'm a Mets fan as well. So they've rebuilt the bullpen. They were able to rebuild the starting rotation. They rebuilt the lineup. And uh, again, I don't, I, you know, I don't think it makes them the absolute favorite to in the entire league, but I think it makes them, you know, very easily in the, in the conversation, one of the best teams in baseball. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, again, feels really good. And this is a good segue opportunity to kind of start talking about the Yankees a little bit too. Um, what was your read really today from fellow Yankee fans, Drew? about what happened with the Mets this morning and, or overnight, if you will, and then on to the, the Yankees' big day, big announcement of making Aaron Judge captain, obviously signing Rodon just a couple days ago. What was your reaction or, or what did you see out of other Yankee fans reacting to try to comprehend what the Mets just did while still trying to enjoy Aaron Judge? Did you sense animosity? Did you sense jealousy? Did you sense that they don't care? Like, what was your read on how Yankee fans took in this entire situation? Uh, I think, well, how I took it is, that, you know, I'm ex I'm excited for, you know, someone to actually go all, because again, as, as we've talked about, the Yankees are, you know, the complacency um, in that franchise has been, um, you know, an issue over the last couple of years. But to see, it was kind of refreshing, in, at least in my perspective, to see a team just go all in, on that, um, you know, and, and make those kind of, and make those kind of moves, um, that you were kind of used to the Yankees doing. So uh, I saw it from what I've seen from Yankees fan, I saw animosity, but not towards the Mets, but more towards Hal Steinbrenner that yes, he did sign Rodon and yes, he did. Um, you know, you know, I don't think you should get much credit for re-signing Aaron judge and Anthony Rizzo and kind of keeping the team status quo. Um, because you still, you know, you want to compare left sides of the infield right now. You have Carlos Correa and Francisco Lador in Queens. And then over here you have, 
Isaiah Kiner Falefa and Josh Donaldson. <laughs> so there's animosity uh, there from Yankees fans, but it's not towards, you know, the Mets or, you know, I think, I feel like the Yankees fans are, you know, they're, they're, I won't even say they're happy, but they're, you know, they just want to, I, I personally felt just like, I, I want to be able to have that. I want to be able to have that feeling of knowing that like my owner actually gives a shit and he, and he wants to win. And, um, and even during the press conference today, um, Hal Steinbrenner didn't exactly, like he said, he said, they'll try to be loud, you know, bumper says saying, we still have, you know, we, we, we did all the right moves and we still have stuff to do. But then at the same time, when he was pressed to talk about Steve Cohen and the Mets, he, you know, he basically shut down the, uh, I think the quote was, I don't think it's good that before teams can show up in spring training, that they're not going to be able to have a chance to contend the playoffs. Like Steve Cohen has nothing to do with the pirates, not spending the pirates are never going to spend in any type of financial environment. And the Rays were never going to spend on any, and you know, the Rays figure it out. So that's all just a bunch of uh, bullshit to me. Um, and, you know, I, I hope that I'm proved wrong that they go out and be able to address the offense because again, they're worse on paper than they are um, at the end of last year. That's, you know, they have no Benintendi, um, you know, uh, you know, DJ Mayhew's health is in question and Aaron judge is not hitting 62 home runs again. And uh, Matt Carpenter, who now left for San Diego, he's not going to be, there's no one there that's going to be doing a 2004 Barry Bonds impression for 200 plate <laughs> appearances. So like, you know, the offense is worse on paper right now. So, you know, they address, they increase a, a strength that they have, but um, as we saw last year in the postseason, pitching was never the Yankees issue is them scoring runs and, right. you know, just counting on a bounce back from Josh Donaldson and counting on a, you know, on one of your young shortstops who you just weren't confident in last year to just step in and do the job. Um, you know, it's, it's risky to right. say the least when you could have just went out and gave Carlos Correa that deal and gave a lot more certainty to your lineup. But um, yeah, so, so to, to answer yeah. your question, it's, it's a whole mixture of emotions yeah. that, uh, that uh, you know, that's going to take some time for me to, to sit and stew in before, you know, until they actually make a move. And I, I think the lens that you're coming from is a little bit more rational and a little bit more baseball fan than Yankee fan, right? Like there's definitely more Yankee fans out there who don't care about the big picture of baseball and they only care about the Yankees, right? Some of the stuff that I saw from friends and group chats and et cetera, and people on Twitter was a little bit more negative than, than kind of you're describing here. And it was kind of like, Oh, the Mets are still irrelevant until they freaking do something. I don't care. Right. Like you do get some of that from Yankees fans. And I think that's a natural reaction. It's kind of mm -hmm. like holding on to, to what you know, or what you feel like should be the truth. All right. But then on the house Steinbrenner front, it did feel a little cop outy to say something like that. Right. It's a little bit of a hedge, like, oh, if we don't win, it's not really our fault. It's because this freaking guy over here is just spending money like a crazy person, right? Like that feels yeah. like a little bit of a hedge. Like you're kind of trying to say, oh, we're going to compete and we're doing everything that we could be doing. But, you know, I don't want to compare myself to this other crazy stuff going on over here, which which got to sting a little bit for, for some Yankee fans. And I, and I get that. And then obviously some of that just gets turned into 
a little bit of vitriol, right? Like, oh, you Mets, like you think you guys are special. You're still going to freaking lose in the first round. Like who cares, right? And, and I'm starting to reach the point where I don't want to hear that from most Yankee fans because your team isn't much different right now, right? Like your team is making it to the playoffs every year and not really doing anything with it. So not that the Mets are either, but let's not pretend like your team is some sort of special thing right now when in reality, you know, part of the only reason that your your team is going for it in certain regards is because of the pressure they're feeling from Steve Cohen and the Mets. So I, I think that your reaction is incredibly rational and uh, uh, baseball fan friendly, right? Because you love the game of baseball and want it to be exciting overall. True Yankee fans who only care about the Yankees, I think have a little bit more negativity in their hearts right now and don't want to hear all this fuss about a Mets team that's spending all this money with expectations because they don't believe that it's true. They don't believe that it's going to matter. No, and, and and I, I get, I get that. And, you know, and, and as, and in my Yankee fan heart, I, again, I'm not mad at the Mets. I'm not mad at Steve Cohen. I'm mad at ownership. I'm mad yeah. at the complacency. If that's it, if, if Yankee fans are out there mad at Steve Cohen, I don't think, you're you're directing your anger in the in the correct direction. You should be direct. You should be booing Hal Steinbrenner. Or it's uh, just jealousy, you. basically. Yeah, yeah. there's pot, uh, also possible, also and, very and, possible. And now on on like the the young guy of it all, because that's really important, really really important here. If two of the four big time hitting prospects of the Yankees end up working out, that'd be Volpe. Raza Cabrera, who we saw a bunch of last year, and Dominguez. Like two of those guys come up and are, are real players. All this crap about, you know, not getting Trey Turner, Dansby Swanson, Carlos Correa, Xander Bogarts, et cetera, doesn't really matter as much, yeah. right? Like, so there is a chance that the offense can get that natural bump from what they have in-house right now. And it just, on the double-edged side of that sword, uh, my friend, is that you're now putting un, unrealistic and, uh, un, in my opinion, unfair expectations on Anthony Volpe now or Peraza to become above average big league players. Um, you know, I said in the group chat, if they don't turn to superstars, that it's a, a massive failure. But I think most Yankee fans would settle for Volpe and Peraza just to be above average players where you can now say, okay, you can somewhat justify them sticking, not dipping their toes into two off seasons now of like multiple elite shortstops being available for just money. Um, so you're really putting pressures on, you know, these 21, 22 year old kids to pan out because if you don't, the next, uh, actual free agent shortstop, I think is like Bo Bichette and he doesn't become a free agent until like 2026. So you potentially, if the Yankees really lay a, lay a goose egg here, you're going to be dealing with stopgap shortstops until, you know, for the foreseeable future, um, so it doesn't feel, you know, they have to be, it, maybe that says um, something about their confidence in, in those guys' abilities, but they have to be really sure that those guys are going to be the guys. Uh, if not, then, you know, they, they're going to be in real trouble and they're going to look really foolish about, you know, not just use flexing their financial might because, again, the Mets are outspending the Yankees by $200 million. $200 million and the Yankees revenue uh was you know according to forbes was was more than double than what the mess and that's just baseball revenue on paper that's merchandise that's ticket sales that's hot dog sales 
And that doesn't account for any of the other outside real estate deals, any of the other, the, the BAM tech sale that they got from Disney, where each team got like $60 million. Uh, it doesn't account for any of that. So the Yankees just, just not choosing to flex their financial, um, you know, might just could really come back and bite them in the ass, uh, you know, sooner than later. Yeah. And that, that's, that's kind of what it comes down to, right? Cause it is it, multiple years now of what you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, of them not sending it. Full send has not been in the vocabulary of the New York Yankees front office. Uh, I do think they staved off a lot of the the fan hate with the judge stuff and the Rodon stuff and, and whatever else they may do. But there could be another point where, you know, if Stanton's banged up and missing time and judges has the offense on his back where that that frustration is going to come out again. And it's going to say, yo, Sevy, Cole. Nestor, Rodon, all pitching their asses off for this team to score two and a half to four runs a game, right? Like that is a possibility, and that would really, really suck. Honestly, like there's no, mm-hmm. there's no other way to say it. So, yeah. all right. Well, last thing that I want to talk about, and then there anything else you want to get to? Judge named captain, 100% deserves his flowers. It, it's a beautiful thing. Something that I think could have been, you know, done a while ago. Obviously. Locking in this long contract was important for the Yankees to to commit to making him a captain. Maybe they wouldn't have dealt with all this crap this offseason if he was the captain already. But w- what is your reaction to the next captain, which is such a, you know, fantasy lore s- spot, right? Right. It's such a big deal for Yankees fans and for Yankee brass to name someone a captain. So what is your reaction to that officially coming true and judge being what is it? The 16th captain 16th. Yeah. The 16th captain in New York Yankee history. I just, I really appreciated the picture of him and Jeter standing next to each other. And I tweeted out the, the gift from uh, that Tom Hanks movie. Look at me, look at me. I'm the captain now. And uh, so, so the, the torch has been passed um, again. The, the, this is the closest that the Yankees had for Jeter. And, you know, the Steinbrenners do enjoy, you know, they, they've milked the last teat of the that the 90s dynasty. This is me being very cynical here. So uh, uh, alert. Um, you know, they've milked the last teat of that that 90s dynasty where they're retiring Paul O'Neill's number, where it shouldn't have been retired. Um, you know, the, the last of those glory year guys. So, you know, they kind of ensure that Aaron Judge, they'll be able to have ceremonies and retirement number ceremonies to get people in the, you know, be able to milk that nostalgia for years to come. Um, you know, I'm not going to say he didn't deserve it because he certainly did. And he, you know, putting up the season that he did last year and, you know, talking, everyone talking about how beloved he is in the clubhouse and how much of a leader he is and how he's kind of cut from the same Jeter, uh, cloth, you know, it makes, it makes a ton of sense. Um, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to be weeping about it or anything like that. You know, it's, it's nice. It's great. Um, you know, ultimately it's not, you know, him being the captain is more of a merchandising thing than a, than a on the field production thing. Cause Aaron judge is going to put up the same numbers, whether he's the captain or the, you know, whether he's or not. So uh, it's nice. It's great. Uh, ultimately meaningless. Right. And frankly, there are a bunch of Yankee fans who uh, agree with you, who are happy about this and think that it should have happened. And, you know, whatever you want to say about the timing of it, who cares? It happened. It's a good thing. However, 
it almost doesn't feel complete until there's a ring on his finger, right? Yeah, like yeah. until the World Series follows Aaron Judge's Yankees tenure, then you know the captain thing is just a nice little icing. It's a cherry. It's a cherry. It's not really the cupcake, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, there there have been great Yankee captains like Doug and Don Mattingly is my favorite player of all time. Never won a championship. He was, you know, still a, a great captain of the Yankees. Um, but ultimately, you know, Jeter had four championships when he was named captain in 2001. Um, so, you know, it's uh, again, it's it's more of a marketing thing than than a baseball thing. So, again, I'm happy for him. Happy that uh, his wife got some flowers. His mother got some flowers today. It was very nice, very nice moment, Jeter, for to be there uh, and to you know to have their moment. But again, ultimately, it's about what happens on the field. Then uh, you know I'll worry about legacy stuff in nine years, hopefully with uh, you know two or three championships underneath his belt. Yes, of course. So uh, I mean, that pretty much wraps it up for me, Drew. I don't know if you have anything else to add on the Yankees front, Mets front, anything. Uh, This was a great episode that I appreciated. What what else you got? Anything? No, that's, you know, the, again, I think the Mets are, are basically done um, with it. They might add another bullpen arm here, maybe one more, one more guy um, and probably look to up unload McCann and maybe Escobar, but I personally would hold on to Escobar as a, as a bench bat utility type of guy. And, you know, if he wants to be a part of a winning team, I think he'll, he'll want to stay. If he wants more at bats or consistent playing time, then he'll go elsewhere. But um, right. I think it would be really uh, beneficial for them to hold on to him. McCann, not so much. So I expect the McCann trade and maybe uh, another signing. But as far as the Yankees go, I really, you know, they said they still have to address left field, pie in the sky, Brian Reynolds, uh, you know, coming from Pittsburgh, um, you know, but that's going to definitely going to cost you at least one of your shortstop prospects, plus like Jason Dominguez, plus other pieces. So I don't know if if that's in the marks or maybe you, you know, go and sign Michael Conforto um, because it doesn't look like you're going to be able to deal Hicks or Donaldson. There's nobody who wants them. And that's not ultimately uh, super surprising. So the off season is not really a hundred percent. You can't close the door on, um, the Aussies yet, and who knows? Uh, Uncle Steve could, uh, you know, he maybe go trade for Mike Trout next, or do something, do something bananas, uh, or maybe try to bid on Shohei Otani before he's even a free agent. You know, do something crazy. Yeah, um, but I, I, I wouldn't. You know, you're the off season for both these teams are around 80, 85 percent uh, done. There's finishing pieces, but all the major moves have been done. Um, you know, and I'm just excited for baseball season to uh, to to get started. Only like 94 days until pitchers and catchers report. Wow, that's that's crazy to me. That's crazy. I, I, it's it's always impossible for me to even wrap my head around football and basketball at the same time. Like I finally hit a good stride with the NBA over the past like two weeks, and, and especially with the Knicks playing really well lately. And now it's like our oh, baseball's around the corner. It's like, come on, man. Goddamn. Giants are in a playoff run. The Jets are in a playoff run. The Knicks are playing well. The Nets are playing well. The Rangers, Drew, are playing better yeah. hockey. Yeah, they're playing great. They're playing great, man. They they yeah. should have won last night against Pittsburgh, but um they had a they had a seven game winning streak at the same time the Knicks did. So yeah. Um they're playing they're playing way better hockey uh now. The, they got the kid line going back up again. I'm very excited about that as well. A lot of Pittsburgh mentions today. Yeah, you know, a lot of Pittsburgh mentions. It's gonna be really cold there this weekend. 
really uh, four degree negative four degrees feels like is the projection for the game on Christmas Eve night Raiders at Steelers. Um, Jesus. That's uh, that's our third Pittsburgh franchise being mentioned today. At least that one's not a poverty franchise like uh, like mm-hmm. the Pirates. And obviously the Penguins aren't either. But mm-hmm. all right, Drew, that's uh, that's great stuff. I appreciate you very much. And uh, what an episode. What a time to be a sports fan, as I say frequently. And now uh, it's a great time to be a baseball fan as well, especially here in New York. Yeah, man. Uh, uh, if anything else happens, we'll uh, we'll jump back on and keep doing this. That's what we do. That's what we do. All right, Subway Sports Talk. Pete Kennedy, Andrew Kalania. At Swarl at underscore Swarls Barkley. Hit him on Twitter because he he actually tweets way more useful baseball stuff than I do. And half the baseball tweets from Subway Sport Talk are probably from him as well. So that's mm. that's basically what you need to do to follow. Check out those Insta- Instagram stories too, man. If you want, if you want some uh if you're if you're itching for content in the middle of the night while I'm feeding my daughter, like tune in SST. You something something will probably be up there. Something will happen. Something will happen. That's great. All right. Andrew Kalanya. I'm Pete Kennedy at Subway Sports Talk on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and have a podcast app or Spotify as well. Subscribe, hit the notification bell on YouTube. Great stuff. Great stuff. We'll talk to you soon. NFL picks week 16 coming up uh, probably Friday afternoon. So stay tuned for that. A lot of content for you guys this week. And I appreciate you all for tuning in as always. So we'll talk to you soon. Merry Christmas. Picks later in the week. Cheers. See ya.